given, but once again, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you turn over in your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, and we'll begin reading at verse 24. And as you turn in your Bibles there to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, I do want to just say the saints in the beautiful rural countryside church of Sharon, Iowa, greet you all. There's no need to be jealous, but just wanted to greet you. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 24, brothers and sisters, this is God's very own word. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, he will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Well, Father, we have read your perfect, your powerful word. And Father, we plead with you now that you would use it as a surgeon's scalpel upon our hearts. That you would cut off the calluses of disbelief. Lord, and that you would turn our hearts to you. Father, please use this hour now, use this time now to make us love you more and trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to play a little puzzle with you to start this devotional sermon off. I'm going to list a number of things, and I'd like you to try to figure out how do they connect. Fed hikes, blood pressure, exams, depression, IRA, headaches, 401ks, irritability, health, breathing problems, weather, insomnia, income, fatigue, children, grandchildren, muscle tensions, and body aches. How do these all tie together? 
There are emotional and physiological connections that are a result of the common things that cause us anxiety in this world. There are times in which our hearts get wrapped up in the things and the, and the concerns of life that will literally lead to the detriment of the quality of life that you live. And Jesus Christ this morning or this evening gives us instruction for how to find peace for our souls. And so first, notice that there is a command. I need to make this really clear before we start getting into the text. You got one point, right? I'm going to give you one point this morning or this evening. I hope you walk away from. Don't worry. It's a really creative sermon title, right? Don't worry. Six times. Six times Jesus gives this command to the people on the Sermon on the Mount. Six times he says, do not worry. 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 And just in case you missed it, do not worry. Jesus takes this very seriously because it's going to show what you worry about will show what your heart longs for. And where you're going for, for comfort, for rest, for security. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, why, why would Jesus command this? Right? And all the things that are going on in his society, the Romans are tyrants over them, the people are poor, there's all sorts of oppression, there's all sorts of iniquity. Why does Jesus spend time on this? Why does he command them six times, do not worry? Well, the first is because they need to know and we need to know who our master is. I'm going to argue with the ESV translation here. I don't like the paragraph break. Verse 24 is connected to verse 25. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, therefore. Whenever there's the word therefore in the Bible, it means it's picking up on what he just said. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. See, in your life, you have two choices that Jesus is putting in front of you. You can either serve money or you can serve God. Jesus says there's no in-between. Either your life is going to be about gaining material wealth and comfort for yourself, or it's going to be about going after the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so when I told you there's only one point to this sermon, do not worry. What I'm really saying is, deeper than that, who are you going to serve? God or mammon? Our anxiety shows, even as we are redeemed Christians, that there is still a, a hint or a core of paganism in our hearts that needs to be repented of. As we find ourselves stealing sleep, being anxious, wrapped up in the things of this world, we show that we're not fully trusting him still. We love this world and the things of this world. 
It's a sad day in our culture. When many boys will go days upon days without talking to their dads, spending time with their fathers because their fathers are so busy, worried about their income, that they neglect their children's souls. Why? Because they want to provide the good American standard of life. Or how many young girls go without the attention of their mother or of their father because they're trying to build up a material kingdom of all the stuff and all the experiences and all the things. They don't have time to tell them about the things of God and the things of eternity. How many children are starved, even in Christian homes, because while we might say Jesus Christ is Lord, our actions in the office and what we chase after with our pocketbooks prove to be otherwise. So who's your master? This is what Jesus is getting at first. Who is your master? You might even want to write that down in your sermon notes and go home and have an honest discussion with your spouse or with your children later and just ask them, who do you think I serve most? But secondly, Jesus gives this command to them, not just so that they know who their master is, but they need to know and you need to know who your father is. And it is our father who clothes us. He says the pagans chase after clothing, the pagans chase after food. That's what the Gentiles are all about. But as Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, is is teaching, caring for, loving the people in front of them, he tells them, you have a heavenly father. Look at the lilies of the field. I was just out yesterday hiking with the kids, and there, in in this very dry area on the south or on the west side of Mount Hermon, east side of Mount Hermon, all of a sudden, out of this dry ground, there were crocuses coming up, and I couldn't help pointing out to the kids, "You see the flowers? You see the little flowers? Even in the desert, God knows how to bring these little flowers. Every time you see a flower or a tulip." Every time you see a garden of flowers, it is a reminder to you that you are more valuable than them. God clothes the flowers of the field with more splendor than Solomon ever had. And you're more beautiful than a bouquet of flowers that's just going to die next week. Your father's going to clothe you. Don't be anxious about that. But also recognize that it's your father who feeds you. Right, verses 26 and 27, here tell us this. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? There are sparrows who fly around all day. I don't know how they get their worms. I don't know how God created them with little senses to know when you've just mowed your grass and all of a sudden there's fresh worms there. Maybe they have like supersonic ears or something. I don't know, but they find the worms. They find the grain on the ground. They find the food that they need to eat because why? Their heavenly Father cares for them. Here's the question, though. Are you not more valuable than a bird? Do you realize you are the pinnacle of God's creation? Our world will try to tell us that we are nothing more than glorified animals, but that's not how Jesus thinks of you. He says you are a child of the Almighty God. Your father who knit you together in your mother's womb. Your father who numbers the very hairs on your head. Your father who numbers your days and knows the hours of your life knows that you need food. 
Don't be anxious about it. Trust him. He cares for us. But thirdly, Jesus gives these commandments not to worry because he wants you to have peace. He wants you to have peace. And that peace comes by doing something that's crazy. You have to give up in your heart the illusion that you are somehow sovereign over your life. You have to, let me say that again, to have peace, you have to give up the illusion in your imagination that somehow you are the sovereign of your life, that you call the shots, that you make all the end deals, that you're the one who makes all the dots connect. This is what Jesus points out in verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add even one hour to his life? Let's face it, when you're going to die, you're going to die. And you can be anxious and you can be filled with worry. You can give yourself all the heartache you want. But with all your illusion of self-control that you can make your life as good and as long as you want, it's just that an illusion. It's not going to add anything to you. In all reality, the list of physical symptoms came straight off the American Medical Association website. The results of anxiety and worry, which lead to decreased lifespan. You can work your tail off and you can still be poor. You can burn the candle at both ends and your business can still fail. You can plan and you can worry about the economy all day long and it will make no difference if the Lord doesn't will it. God is sovereign. God governs his creation. And he does so by his perfect providence. And people who struggle with anxiety are often struggling to let go of that they think, I can control my life. And Jesus says, no. No, he controls your life. He's the one who holds you in the palm of his hand. He's the one who guides your days and brings you food. You know, I, I was hiking again yesterday, uh, Mount Hermon, and kids and I, we were, uh, and Olivia, we were going up the mountain, and, and we, I think we got, like my watch said, 0.1 miles, and we hit snow. And I thought, man, I should have brought the boots. So I thought, okay, I'll run, I'll run back to the house. It's going to take an extra 30 minutes. That's fine. I'll, I'll go to the house. I'll get boots for the kids. We'll come back. We'll put the boots on. And as I was driving, I saw all these cars come past us, come past us, come past us. And I just said, man, I'm never going to get a parking spot back. I'm going to have to walk so long. It's going to be horrible to get back to the trailhead. And I was just like, I literally felt my heart rate starting to race. And my little boy in the, in the right-hand seat there started talking to me. And I, and I realized, I'm such a hypocrite. And I got to pray. And do you know what happened when we came back to that parking lot? My exact same parking space was open. <laughs> what did my anxiety do? Did it add anything to my life? No, it just made Nathan nervous in the seat next to me. 
Right? Had no, nothing good. Now, I'm going to answer something because some of you are sitting here and you're saying, hold on. He's telling us don't worry about what we're going to eat. Don't worry about what we're going to drink. Don't worry about what we're going to wear. Don't we have to work? Aren't we not supposed to be lazy bums? Well, yes. Right? God gives us the birds and the flowers to teach us to rest in him. But he also does give us the ants and the bees to teach us that we are to work when work is at hand. Right? Martin Luther, commenting on this, made the very clear statement. Even the birds of the, of the field, they don't just stand on the, on the limbs of the trees and open their mouths and wait for God to drop worms into it. Right? You, you, you still have to work. Right? This isn't telling us to be lazy. He's given us work to do. But the point is, is, even as you go to work, do you trust him? Do you trust him for the end reward? Do you trust him that he knows what you need? And sometimes he knows what you do not need. But there's another objection by some of you. <laughs> right? The, the objection by some of you is going to be like, well, you can't just walk around the, world, around the world like everything is puppy dogs and rainbows. Right? Like, there's things you have to be concerned about and think about. You do have to save for retirement. Right? Yeah, yeah you do. But what is Jesus teaching us here? I think there's a, Matthew Henry is very helpful, and, and I'm going to give you five tests for something, whether it is a legitimate concern or it's crossed the line into anxiety. So, so you might want to write these things down if you're someone who struggles with worry and anxiety. All right, number one, does this thing or concern cause your mind to toss about here and there and you can't find peace in your heart? You've crossed over the line into sinful anxiety. Test number two. Does this concern or this thing, this, 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 this entity that's causing you anxiety, steal your joy in God? Then it has entered into the realm of sinful anxiety. Number three, does this, does this issue or person or thing distract you from your hope in Christ? And your confidence that God is a loving Father? If so, that's crossed from legitimate concern into sinful anxiety. Number four, this is a real practical one. Does it keep you from sleeping? The Lord gives his loved ones sleep. Does this steal the blessing of God of sleep from your eyes? Maybe that this has caused you to slip into sinful anxiety. Fifthly, does this thought or person or thing consume your mind and heart so much that you can't enjoy the good things that God has given you? Are you so worried about what's going to happen and how you're going to feed your family tomorrow that you can't thank God for the meal that you're sitting down for dinner right now? then it's crossed into sinful anxiety. So what do you do? What do you do if if it has crossed into sinful anxiety, you're struggling with this? Well, the Holy Spirit gives us the words of Christ by the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Be anxious about nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. 
If you find yourself being stuck in the, in the never-ending whirlpool black hole of anxiety, the only way out is to jettison to prayer. Go to God and thank Him for the good things in your life and lay before Him the things that He's the only one at the end of the day who will be able to actually accomplish the good end. Take it to God and leave it at His throne as grace and walk away knowing that he's the one who watches over you as a heavenly father and sovereign of the universe. But secondly, what do you do? Well, this is the last two verses of our passage tonight, verses 33 and 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Sometimes our hearts get pulled down the wrong trail. Sometimes we end up on a path that we did not plan to go on and our anxiety has taken us there. Our worry has taken us there. And we need to reorient our hearts to bear true north to Jesus Christ. One of the best ways to do this, go tell someone else about Jesus. That's a real challenge. You want to remember what's most important in this life? Go talk to your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends about Jesus Christ. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and see what happens as you watch your concern for the things of this world diminish and your heart for the things of his kingdom increase. Go. Go and tell the nations of Jesus Christ. Look to Christ and see the lavish love of God the Father. Just, this is where the gospel is just so sweet and amazing. He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us, will he not also with him freely give us all things? This is the hope we have in Jesus Christ, that if we have him, we have everything, and if we have him, we know we have everything we need. So be busy about his kingdom. Be busy about remembering his grace. Be busy about remembering his love. Do not be filled with anxiety. For if you are a Christian, then you have received Christ. Rest in him. Rest in him. Find peace in him. Let's pray. Father, we confess to you that we are people who love our own plans. And we are quick people to fall in love with your world and sinful ways. Lord, we plead with you that your spirit would so work in our hearts that we would not be anxious for for anything, but that we might know who you are and your great love toward us. Give us peace, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.